Morning, everyone. Welcome back to Leading Off. I am your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. With me is my producer and stand-in for Aunt Becky on Full House, Brendan Tuma. You can find him on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. It was quite the weekend of baseball, so to get to it all, we are going to have to do our usual structure for the Monday show. First, we're going to tackle all the major injury news, including Tyler Glass now being out for four to six weeks, and Jose Altuve hitting the injured list with a strained hamstring. Next, we're going to get to some interesting notes and developments from this weekend, like Colin McHugh being moved to the bullpen and Rowanis Elias possibly not being the closer for the Mariners any longer. And finally, we are going to touch on this weekend's standout performers. Now, as usual, because it was the weekend, we have a million things to get to, so if you think of our usual episode as a scuba diving experience, today we're going to need to more like paddleboard right near the surface, okay? So buckle up. So let's begin with the injury concerns, and we're going to break it down like this. First, players who were actually placed on the injured list this weekend. Second, players who returned from the injured list or from injuries generally. And third, players who were injured this weekend and not placed on the injured list, but we still need to talk about them because everyone is injured. Now, that was an outline within an outline, guys. That is how organized Brendan and I try to be on leading off. Anyway, you know we have to start with Glass now because fantasy baseball players are just not allowed to have nice things. Glass now left Friday's start against the Yankees, was placed on the injured list with mild forearm strain, and is expected to miss four to six weeks. As usual, if you Rip Van Winkle did this weekend and you were just hearing about this for the first time, you are devastated. But if you watched him ask out of the game on Friday and heard the dreaded forearm tightness afterwards, you were pretty encouraged by the diagnosis. Still, it's a pretty lengthy timetable and it is a forearm injury, which can often be precursors to elbow injuries. In other words, this diagnosis does not mean that you are out of the woods, not by a long shot. Glasnow was having a remarkable season, with a 186 ERA, a .91 whip, and 55 strikeouts in just 48 and a third innings. There is really no replacing those numbers, certainly not on the waiver wire and barely even in the trade market. In the end, you'll likely just need to do whatever you can to weather the storm. But if you are hurting for pitching and you need to make a trade, first, check out Fantasy Pro's website on Thursday because that is when my trade chart article drops and you will see exactly where I value him. But at this point, I would be thinking if I could swap Glassnow for a top 35 starter or so, I would do it. Our other major star to hit the injured list was Jose Altuve, who suffered a left hamstring strain on Friday night and was placed on the injured list. The strain is described as slight, so it is certainly possible that Altuve returns soon. But he's stolen just one base this year and attempted just three. You'd have to think that he'll be in no rush to push himself on the bases when he returns. Now, Altuve will certainly recover from his 243 batting average, but any significant contribution in steals may be gone for this year. In his place, Aledmus Diaz should start at second base, and he should be a fine short-term play. He had a big weekend, including a grand slam on Saturday, and he's widely available. Other players who hit the injured list this weekend include Mike Zanino, who's going to be out four to five weeks with a quad injury, Francisco Mejia, who is dealing with a left knee sprain, Clay Buckles, who is out with shoulder inflammation, Vince Velasquez, who expects to miss just one start with his strained right forearm, and Felix Hernandez, who's on the injured list with a strained right shoulder. Now, we really don't have to worry about Hernandez or Mejia much, because neither was relevant right now, and there is nobody getting a boost by replacing them. Mejia was barely playing, and the Mariners can get by without a fifth starter for two weeks. But let's at least expand on the others. Zanino was having a terrible year, but he was still on pace for 12 home runs and 71 RBI and his RBI currently ranked 8th at the catcher position. But you are not waiting around for someone like Zanino, in my opinion. With him gone, newly acquired Travis Darno 
will get the bulk of catching time for the Rays. Once upon a time, he was a big prospect known for his bat, but he's worth a look only in AL-only leagues. Now, Buckholz's absence clears the way for newly acquired Edwin Jackson for the Blue Jays. Now, this is notable mostly because when he does appear, Jackson will set an MLB record by appearing with 14 different clubs. That's a dubious honor, to say the least. Now, it's worth noting that Jackson did have a 3.33 ERA last year with the A's, but that was far from supported by his FIP or his XFIP. He's not worth a look in anything but deep AL-only leagues. As for Velasquez, he says he expects to miss just one start, but he's really not that good anyway. Cole Irvin started in Velasquez's place on Sunday against the Royals and was very effective, allowing just one run over seven innings. Now, it's unclear if Irvin would stay in the rotation if Velasquez needs to miss additional time. His lack of strikeout upside would keep him from being relevant in mixed leagues even if he does. But really, what we're all hoping for here is Nick Pavetta's promotion. As we talked about last week, Pavetta has been excellent over his last few starts in AAA. If you have room, I would look to stash Pavetta now. Okay, thankfully, that is all for those hitting the injured list this weekend. Now for some happier news. Here are some players who returned or are about to return from injury. Austin Meadows returned from the injured list and hit two home runs over the weekend. It is safe to say that Austin Meadows is the greatest player that ever was or will be, and will be the MVP. Fine, maybe not, but his quick return from a thumb sprain and immediate power, which we said to look out for on Friday, is an excellent sign. Juan Soto was activated from the injured list on Saturday after missing the minimum 10 days with back spasms. He did not have as good a weekend as Austin Meadows, but who cares? He's back, and you're starting him. Williams Astudio was activated from the injured list on Sunday and started at catcher and let off. He went one for five, but he did not walk or strike out, so he still got it going on. Especially with Miguel Sano's impending return, which could come this week, by the way, and the presence of both Jason Castro and Mitch Garver, it's unclear how much Astudio will see the field. But as we will discuss shortly, Nelson Cruz is dealing with a wrist injury, which could open up a spot in the lineup. Aaron Hicks should be activated from the injured list today against the Orioles. The likely scenario is that Mike Tockman loses playing time with Hicks up, but we are going to see how Aaron Boone wants to play. David Price threw a bullpen session and is trending toward being activated over the weekend against the Astros. If you are in a weekly league, it would be prudent to bench Price this week, just to be safe. Chris Archer will return on Wednesday against the Diamondbacks. Archer threw a simulated game this week and looked good enough. His return will bump out either Stephen Brault or Nick Kingham. Absent the setback, Andrew Heaney should return before the end of May. Heaney had a 4.15 ERA last year, but had 180 strikeouts and 180 innings. He is worth a stash. And Buster Posey continues to improve and took batting practice yesterday. He looks on track to come back on Wednesday when he's eligible. Even with the uncertainty, I personally am rolling with Posey this week where I own him, given the dearth of reliable catching options. And finally, let's hit on some weekend injuries that you might have missed. Nelson Cruz was removed from yesterday's game with a left wrist injury. He'll be going for an MRI today. Now, Cruz has reportedly been dealing with this for a while, but it became too painful on a swing and miss today, and wrist pain on a swing and miss just is not a good sign. In a weekly league, have a backup ready. Now, the Twins do have a game today, so at least you should have an answer by then. Ryan Braun missed Saturday's and Sunday's games with a hamstring injury. Over his last seven games, Braun is batting 463 with three homers and seven RBI, so he was really in a groove. The good news is that he pinch hit last night against the Cubs, so hopefully he will be in the lineup tonight against the Phillies. Gary Sanchez was held out of Sunday's game after he was hit in the mask with a foul tip on Saturday. He was reportedly feeling fine, but the Yankees opted to be cautious. He will likely be in the lineup tonight against the Orioles. D. Gordon missed this weekend's games with his wrist injury. Now it's really unclear at this point whether an injured list stint is going to be necessary. Shed Long will continue to see time at second base, 
for as long as Gordon is out. Now, the Mariners have a game tonight against the A's, so hopefully owners in weekly leagues will at least get to know the answer before their lineups lock. Anthony Rizzo missed last night's game against the Brewers with back tightness. Now, the Cubs had a 15-inning game on Saturday, and it was cold weather on Sunday, so this is nothing to worry about. With an extra day to rest, expect Rizzo back in the lineup on Tuesday against the Reds. Finally, Martin Perez left Sunday's start after taking a line drive off his foot, but he expects to make his next start against the Mariners. Now, before we get into this weekend's standouts, let's talk about some interesting notes from the weekend, like Colin McHugh being moved to the bullpen. After a 3-1 start to the season, McHugh allowed 25 runs in his last four starts, going 0-3 in that stretch. He pitched yesterday in relief, but he did not look great even there, so he's probably not getting back to the rotation anytime soon. The person who he did relieve, Corbin Martin, however, looked great. Martin dominated the Rangers, allowing just two runs and striking out nine in five and a third innings. Now, Martin does not have eye-popping minor league numbers, though he was striking out more than 10 batters per nine in AAA this year. Given his performance, however, he is worth a pickup. He starts Sunday against the Red Sox. Luke Jackson got the saves for the Braves on Friday and Sunday, with a Johnny Venters one-out save on Saturday in between. Jackson is the guy to own for now, for sure, but I have grave doubts about whether he can hold that role. Having the role, however, is more than half the battle, so go ahead and pick Jackson up if he is still available. Steve Ciszek got a classic one-inning save for the Cubs on Sunday. Ciszek may get the next save chance for the Cubs, or it could be one of four other guys. I'm not drawing conclusions just yet. Rowenis Elias relieved Felix Hernandez in the third inning on Saturday against the Red Sox. Now before you just say, well, he was getting some work in, the game was tied 4-4. That was a high-leverage situation. The bases were loaded. Bringing him in in a high-leverage situation means he just might be used in high-leverage situations. That's not good for a closer. If you're chasing saves in Seattle, you should probably just stop. But all options are on the table if you're looking that way. Ronald Acuna is your new leadoff hitter in Atlanta, and Dansby Swanson is your new number two. Now, the Braves are 39-29 and with Acuna as their leadoff hitter. Entering yesterday, he had a 406 OBP, a 635 slugging percentage, and a 1041 OPS out of the leadoff spot, so this could easily stick. You know the drill. Batting out of the leadoff spot means more runs, maybe more steals, and fewer RBI. As for Swanson, sticking in the second hole is an obvious boost to his value. The Giants got a little weird this weekend, I'm not going to lie. First, they optioned Derek Rodriguez to AAA. Then they sent Derek Holland to the bullpen. As far as I can tell, the Giants rotation is now Madison Bumgarner, Jeff Samarja, Tyler Beatty, and you, if you want a job, I suppose. I mean, Drew Pomeranz may come back this week, but darned if I know, and that only makes four. Now, I actually liked Holland as a deep league option this year, but you can move on in all formats. When I get word on who in the world is going to start for the Giants, I'll let you know. The Marlins recalled Eliezer Hernandez from AAA New Orleans this weekend. Now, Hernandez was having a fine year in AAA, but for now he is pitching out of the bullpen. You never know what the Marlins are going to do, however, especially with Sandy Alcantara still struggling. I personally am still holding my Zach Gallon shares. Finally, Travis Shaw sat out this entire weekend. Shaw is batting just 167 and has a 32% strikeout rate this year after he struck out at a similarly high rate in the spring. I am still holding my Travis Shaw shares, but you obviously cannot play him for now. Hernan Perez will likely continue to see increased playing time if Shaw continues to struggle. Okay, people weren't just injured or demoted this weekend, you know? There were actual performances, even some good ones. So let's start with a quick segment called, Here are some really good pitchers who you know are good and don't really need me to tell you that, but they pitch so well that I have to mention them. I am working on a new title. Justin Verlander dominated the Rangers on Friday, throwing seven scoreless innings, 
and striking out eight. Garrett Cole had his revenge game against the Rangers, allowing one run on four hits over six innings while striking out 12 on Saturday. Cole has at least eight strikeouts in eight of his nine starts and leads the majors with 86 strikeouts. Hyunjin Ryu nearly pitched a no-hitter on Sunday, allowing just one hit over eight scoreless innings against the Nationals. Ryu has been absolutely unreal this year, just a 172 ERA, a .72 whip, and a 24-inning scoreless streak. And Luis Castillo threw six scoreless innings against the Giants on Friday, striking out 11. 15 swinging strikes on that devastating changeup. Unreal. All of these guys are great. You really do not need my analysis on them. But some pitchers whose performances may need some sort of fantasy take include John Lester, who was great against the Brewers on Sunday, allowing just an unearned run and striking out six in six and a third innings. Lester has just a 116 ERA and a 111 whip. Now he is pitching over his head, but he does have just a 271 FIP and a 338 XFIP. In the latest edition of Advanced Metrics tell you what has happened but are not necessarily predictive, a lot of it backs up what Lester is doing, but I would still personally be selling high. Eduardo Rodriguez struck out five over seven scoreless innings against the Mariners on Friday. That is two straight solid efforts for Rodriguez, who appears to do better when the Red Sox give him at least 14 runs of support, as they have the last two games. Now, I am not buying that he is quite back, but you can consider starting him at home against the Rockies in his next outing. Jake Odorizzi is determined to make me look dumb, as are my kids, who thought that the perfect Mother's Day present would be me jumping out of a cake in a clown costume. Now, I do not blame Jake Odorizzi for that, but I do blame him for retiring 20 batters in a row and running his scoreless inning streak to 20 on Friday with a win over the Tigers. Like Lester, nothing is particularly out of whack here metrics-wise, though he does have a 447 XFIT. Now, I told you last week that I am patient to a fault with fantasy baseball, so I am not letting a couple of really good weeks move me off an opinion I've had of Odorizzi for like three seasons now. But I would not be doing my job if I said you should continue to ignore him. He is still available in 39% of leagues. Add him now in case this is real. He'll take on the Angels next. Zach Eflin became the Majors' first pitcher with two complete games this season, when he shut out the Royals on Saturday and struck out seven. Now, the notable thing here is that Andrew Knapp has caught Zach Eflin's last three starts, and this happens sometimes with pitchers. Jacob deGrom, for example, really liked throwing to Devin Mezzarocco and is now throwing to Tomas Nito. Greg Maddox famously never wanted to throw to Javi Lopez. Now, Knapp and Eflin have played together since AA in 2015 and have developed a strong chemistry, so this success could continue. He's going to take on the Brewers in his next start. And Lucas Giolito allowed just one run on four hits with eight strikeouts over seven innings against the Blue Jays on Sunday. In his three starts since returning from his injury, he has allowed just four runs over 19 and a third innings with 23 strikeouts. Giolito is just 21% owned and faces these same Blue Jays again in his next start. It is time to add him. How about some standout hitters from this weekend? Hunter Renfro went 0-4 on Sunday, but he homered again on Saturday. He now has four home runs already in May and an 882 OPS on the season. The Padres seem to be leaning towards playing Will Myers in center field over Manuel Margot, which allows Renfro to play left field regularly. He is worth a pickup if you need power. Remember when Charlie Blackman was struggling? Well, after his two-homer game yesterday, he's now got eight on the season, and he's batting 305 with a 941 OPS. The steals may be gone, but stop your complaining. George Springer went 5 for 5 with two home runs yesterday against the Rangers. No big deal, just a 59 homer, 138 run, 146 RBI pace for Springer. Please stay healthy, George. Justin Turner went 1 for 3 with two runs scored on Sunday. 
but he homered on Saturday and has hit five of his six home runs in his last five games. In his last 14 games, he is batting 370 with six home runs and 12 RBI. Before those last 14 games, you wanted to drop Justin Turner. That's a good lesson in not overreacting to slow starts early in the season. C.J. Krohn homered in each game of the doubleheader on Saturday. Quick, how many home runs is C.J. Krohn on pace for? Your time is up. It's 37 home runs and 96 RBI to boot. I know the 250 batting average does not help, but 26% owned guys. Move that up a few percent. Yasiel Puig went 5-for-12 with two home runs and two steals this weekend against the Giants. He's now on pace for nearly a 30-30 season. He's still batting just 217, so if the buy-low window is still open, sneak through it. Hunter Pence hit his seventh home run on Saturday. He has homered in four of his last six games, and he was even robbed of another one by Josh Reddick on Thursday. We have the narrative to back this up, guys. He worked with Doug Lada this offseason, the swing change guru who turned Justin Turner into a force. Hunter Pence can help you in your leagues, as I have now told you three or four times. He is just 21% owned. Finally, J.D. Martinez homered twice on Sunday. Martinez has been slightly disappointing and still has just seven homers on the season, but he is in the top 1% in expected batting average and in the top 7% in exit velocity. He will be where you need him to be by season's end. As for what I'll be watching for today, it is Brad Peacock. With the Astros willing to move off their struggling pitchers like McHugh, I want to see Peacock build on his success from his last time out when he went to the windup and struck out 12 in 7 innings. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Leading Off. Make sure to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast and check your feed every weekday morning. Again, you can always find me on Twitter at DanHarris80 or Brendan at TooMuchTuma if you want to talk about the show. Enjoy your Monday, everyone. We'll catch up tomorrow. <laughs>